Coxie's having a yarn Cause he's got nothing better to do Coxie's having a yarn And one day he might have one with you Okay, welcome back for another episode of Have a Yarn With Me. I am the host of this podcast, Aaron Gox, and have a very special guest here today. Uh, please welcome musician David Brighty. Thanks for coming on, David. Thanks, Aaron. Good to be here. Um, are you all right with the, that overall moniker of uh, musician? <laughs> oh, that's what, I put, that's what I put on my, um, you know, when you come back through an airport. That's yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I do. Although what, sometimes you kind of muck with it a bit. You put magician on <laughs> and see if anyone, yeah, really, if if they even taking notice. Well, um, the reason I asked, I, I probably should have asked you before we started, but uh, uh, in in the comedy world, there's a, a lot of us are uh, dip our toes into many different things. Yeah. More more out of necessity, but it is quite fun to alternate. I love doing a bit of acting and then come yeah. back to the yep. stand up. Um, I'm sure in all walks of life, entertainment and art, you, you probably have to, yeah. So, um, and then also with music, you you know, you got like singer songwriter. Um, but musician is nice overall arching, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's pretty good. One time I was being a bit of a wanker and I said composer. That's, um, that's a good. But I do film soundtrack. Yeah. Work, but um. Well, that's actually how we first met. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Yes. With the merger. Yeah. You were an actor. Yeah. Yeah. So, um. Um. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to think at some point our worlds would have crossed, but that really sped it up. Uh, yeah, meeting yeah. at uh, Did we meet at Wagga, was yeah, it? We yeah, we met at the launch in, in Wagga, which was a really yeah. good night. And we had a really good yeah. night at that, that little bar, that, which was quite a fancy bar for Wagga. Yeah. At, um, before, the, before the launch, so that was really cool. Yeah, um, That was quite a fun time in my life because like, things were really starting to take off. And um, in hindsight, I've realised movies don't come... That quickly and easily, but that came quite quick for me. I'm like, oh yeah, this is just how it is. You be in movies, but um. yeah, and directed, of course, by Damien Callan, <laughs> yeah, a good, good friend of both of us. And and Damien just made that such a great experience working on that. Yeah, that film. and um, interesting meeting you in Wagga because I did not not an extensive tour, but a couple of the because they were screening it around the country. Yep. and the Wagga one was special because of being filmed in the area and. Yep. A lot of cast and, and everyone just involved in different ways, obviously. There was things like catering, etc. And then I also did Mildura, yep. which was interesting, and Albury. So, yeah, that was my little... Because I did the like the screening was there, then I did like a Q&A after. Yeah. Because I think there was a lot of different screenings around the country, so they sent people into different ways. So they must have... In different places... They must have thought I suited Mildura and Albury quite well. I'm glad it got that. Uh, glad it got a, a, a round of, of country uh, towns because th- those who don't know the film, it's, uh, uh, a footy club has to merge because they haven't got enough players. And uh, Damien Callan plays the coach, who comes back and decides that he's going. There's a whole lot of um, uh, refugees who are who, who are working there in that rural area, and they get uh, none of them can really play football, and they get brought into yeah. up the numbers of the club. Yeah, um, but because I, I live down in the Otways now, um, have for the past five years, and my partner's from Colac, and Colac's probably the closest big town. And Colac used to be a bit of a dog of a place, but now yeah. because there's a lot of um, Afghani and, and Horn of Africa people who have yeah. moved there, who at first I think the town people going, oh, this is a, this is not this is not us. We're not used to this yeah. kind of thing, and but they love it now. It's it's kind of because. Uh, they add something to the town. They stay and work and not nick off to the city. They make the sporting clubs better. Um, 
they, you know, there's a lot of work that gets done, and they just add some colour to the town. So um, it's yeah. a really interesting change in Australia. I remember yeah. the last twenty years with that. Well, um, yeah, it's great you say that because I was like, obviously, anything you do, you want people to to see it or hear it or whatever, consume it. Um, but there was a little bit of a, a worry being a footy film that it was like, oh, do I have to be in a footy? And one thing I thought, which was nice feedback to get from people, was like, I'm not into footy at all and yeah. enjoy it. Because it, it is one of those things where it's like, this is the main overarching story. It just happens to revolve around footy. And But yeah, talking about Damien, one thing that was really interesting, like I didn't have any experience of movies. So it was my first movie. But from what I gathered, it, because it, it had come from being a... I think it was a one-person show, like theatre show that yeah, Damien yeah, performed yeah. himself. So there was a lot of – that means there was a lot of dialogue, obviously. Theatre just naturally has a lot of dialogue because you can't uh, – movies can sort of pad out with like extensive sort of cinematography and stuff. So, yeah, shots, yeah, there, that's right. And so it had these really big scenes of dialogue, which was interesting and fun, but a big dive into the deep end for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, so was, um, that was a great experience. Um was that um, have you have you done a bit of that or a bit of the? Uh, I've done a lot of film soundtrack composing over the years. Yeah, yeah. it's a good way of using music because it's di- it's different from yeah. you know, doing a gig um, where you're the uh, main thing. So it's a very it's very yeah. collaborative work. So you're working with the director and the editor and um, and all different kinds of stories. So, yeah, yeah. No, I've been fortunate to do a bit of it over the years. And I think that's quite interesting because it's kind of like it's part of the scene. It's playing. It's you know like with movies obviously I'm I'm not trying to explain how movies work but it's audio and visual did you notice no but, <laughs> but it can just be like subconsciously the music's playing and you're not really thinking about it but it is powerful without it yeah yeah if you ever see if you ever see a scene without music and then watch it with music that you'll be I mean not, yeah. not surprisingly that, that what it adds to yeah. in emotion, emotional intent and everything but um uh. When you're doing a film soundtrack, and I actually really like this, is that uh, the music's not the main thing. So sometimes your favourite piece of music doesn't end up in the film because it doesn't work to what the director needs yeah. in terms of the narrative arc and the. Um, and so, but I, I don't mind playing that support role. It's kind of good, and it's a lot of lot of studio work rather than having to carry your gear to work yeah. and all that. So, um, <laughs> um, yeah, and you get to you know work with a. a, a, a an array of different kind of artists, you know, writers and yeah. cinematographers and actors and all that. Yeah. Yeah. I was just wondering, um, do – I mean, I, I guess it changes case by case, but what I wanted to ask was like, um, do you sort of – are you collaborating with one particular person? Like say, um, like the writer, would you be like, what were you thinking in this scene? Or is it direct or, or you're just left to your own the two device? Pe- yeah, the two people you're mainly working with are the director and the editor. Okay. Um, the editor has a lot of play because during the uh, early cuts, they'll be putting temporary music in place so that that will kind of be a signal as to what kind of mood uh, that they're looking for. Um, and then at a later point, they'll also be placing the music that you've written and recorded into the film. Yeah. So you need a really good relationship with the editor. But the director's the main potato because they're, they're, yeah. they're, they're driving it. Uh, sorry. No, you're right. No, because I remember in the merger, um, you know, obviously the music suits the scene, the emotion of the scene, and then there's like, okay, there's a funny medley of um, the team getting ready. That was that like, um, what is it? I, I love football. 
Yeah, for football. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Is it the Jesus one or no? No. Uh, it was a, there was play on the wing for Jesus. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, obviously, it's been a while since I saw it. Forgive me. <laughs> At the time, like I said, there was three or four screenings I watched. But then there was the the very beautiful. Um, is it the Paul Kelly one? The, yeah, 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 yeah. Meet me in the air. Yeah, yeah, that was like so. I thought that just really like the emotion and having trouble with my mic um, yeah that really nailed it emotionally and there's another really good uh, piece I've just been up on because uh, I do a lot of work up in Papua New Guinea um, with music and I'd been up to Manus Island and one of the Kurdish refugees there a guy named Farhad Bandish who now lives in lives in Melbourne but he was imprisoned up there and he's a musician and we'd recorded this and, and when this play when Damien said oh we're doing the soundtrack and um uh, Faisal's character um, yeah. um, uh, needed a theme. That scene when his family's coming in on the bus. Yep, yep, yeah. yeah. Um, and so the piece. So I've said to Farhad, "Do you want to have a? Do you want to write a piece of music for this film? You know, the story's kind of. It, it, there's a little bit of you in the story. Um, and so he recorded it up on Manus Island and sent it down. And it was. Um, it was a kind of. A, uh, uh, it was a great involvement for him. Uh, to write a piece of film music uh, yeah. um, from Menace, and uh, and then when he e- ended up seeing the uh, film, da- both Damien and I went and visited him when he was stuck at Mantra just up the road here at the motel before they got uh, released when they got freed. Um, yeah, so that was a good little side story in there as well. Yeah, that's lovely. Um, all right, David. So, uh, what as often happens in this pod, I get a bit sidetracked, which is a great thing because I love chatting. Yeah. But uh, we try and. Uh, f- loosely follow a bit of a structure um so uh usually try to get to get to know the the guests and their journey um so how about we we go right back uh early years where where you where you, everything started for you okay I was, I was born in sydney um but um i moved down to melbourne my family moved back and forward between melbourne and sydney for a, a couple of times so my elder sister was born in melbourne uh my elder brother was born in Sydney. My elder sister was born in Melbourne, so they moved down, and then they moved back to Sydney, and so I was born in Sydney, as was my younger sister. But we moved down here when I was three, and um, floated around the sort of the far eastern suburbs of Melbourne, um, and nothing that exciting in my childhood. When I look back on it, I, did, I spent some time in North Bourne, which I reckon is one of the most boring suburbs in the world, and even at that yeah. time. When I was 13, I, I realised that that was kind of, it wasn't the place uh, to be. My, we, we my lived, dad lived there for a bit, balling, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah no, it, um, but we lived, we lived out in uh, Donvale Park Orchards for a while, and that, that was good. We, that was kind of in the bush at, yeah. at the back of the Whitefriars Monastery. And uh, so that was all amongst the eucalypts and <laughs> creeks. So that was, I remember that being good. And I now live in the bush now, so maybe, maybe that was part of... Uh, uh, part of the um, appeal, appeal there, but look, life can't became exciting for me when I left school and lived in shared households, and yeah, you know, I went to uni. But I took I took two years off around between year eleven and year twelve, and then between year twelve and starting an arts degree at, at uh, uh, Melbourne. And that those years of going and seeing bands, and going and seeing films at the Valhalla, and going <laughs> and seeing comedy, and uh, uh, you know. Eating foods that I'd never eaten, yeah. eaten before. Um, I mean, out in out in Park Auction, North Ball, and the most exotic thing was a Chinese restaurant mm-hmm. on a Friday night, and you'd still always just order sweet and sour pork. Yeah, there's nothing. Well, 
I, I often ask people this, like, about their upbringing, and I'll ask if, if um, do you believe it, it's sort of your upbringing and, and where you were living, like, made you who you were or, or shaped your view of the world? But listening to you say that, it does seem like, I don't want to use the wrong word, but, like, maybe, like, suburban, in a, in a suburban home, you felt a bit restricted and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, look, I, I, look, I reckon you're as much influenced by what you don't, want to be or where you don't want to mm. end up is by what you want when i took that year off between year 11 and year 12 i spent six months working in the anz bank in lower templestow and that that was a big inspiration for me because i never wanted to do that <laughs> uh, uh an anti-inspiration which like yeah it was like, an anti it's like i know what i don't want to be yeah yeah, yeah. um and yeah and so when i i, I, I so when I did arts at uni, that was just oh, I was just learning stuff. It wasn't a career thing, um, but it was reading books and learning some. Uh, it's f- yeah, well, it's funny you say that because um, for me, a lot of my humour I like to like I don't really like assessing myself, but you have to. And um, things like the castle, that the suburban Australian, yeah. I love that. But the flip side of that is like, and I grew up out of suburbs of Brisbane, like not fully out of, but. The flip side of that is I've done a lot of like blue collar work, mundane shit kicking work, and I'm, I'm the same as you. I don't want to do that. <laughs> like I like the humour of it and talking about it. But I don't want to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely. And I, look, I've got respect for people who, who hold those jobs. And yeah, no, yeah, look, I've done it. You know, what? but did you have that? I had that feeling of like the clock goes so slow throughout the day. You're like, I guess, oh, were yeah. you thinking about like I want to be creative? I want to be, yeah. Yeah, no, I did. You know, school cleaning and worked in a factory stacking. Uh, my dad, my dad worked at Bowater Scott that makes toilet paper. Um, we kind of like it, you know. When people said, "Oh, what does your dad do?" <laughs> he said, "Oh, he makes dunny." Paper. So, um, but so I had some holiday jobs. Well, I love those jobs where like someone's got to do it, right? Yeah, like yeah. a funny one I think of is like um, prank toys, like fart bombs. <laughs> Imagine working there, like you come home, like hard day at work, honey. Yeah, like <laughs> we sent out a good lot, a lot of fart bombs and fake, you know, whoopee cushions and whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, the, oh, look, I, 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 I didn't um, – there's a whole lot of migrant women who worked then during the year and then they had holidays off, so they got, you know, kids of people who worked there. And um, um, Sorry, it, just to backtrack a bit, like yeah. with, with school and young – like how did you f- – you're like enjoy uh, school or not really or – No, I didn't really fit in. And um, oh, some bits I didn't mind, you know, like I um, – but – yeah, no, it wasn't wasn't my thing. I, I kind of found my tribe, and that's what I say to uh, said to my kids and other people's kids who are not happy at school. Going, you don't want to peak at school, you know. A lot of the kind of the um, alpha personalities, male or female, at school, they probably peaked a little early. You, you, and when yeah. you when you get to when you leave school, when you get and and you can choose the subjects you want to do, um, and you can choose your friends. You don't, you know, yeah. and and you find your tribe. Um, well, it's funny when you become an adult and you meet people who still behave in a school sort of way where they're like, I don't know, like sort of played with some people in sports and footy and stuff and they didn't want to be there and it's like, you're an adult now. Like, stop acting like your parents forced you to be here, whatever. The same with, yeah, the same with like people in comedy and whatever, whinging about things and yeah, it's like... <laughs> yeah, you don't. You can choose your own... Uh, yeah. Um... It's not like school where you kind of forced feel like you're forced to be there in a way, and yeah. then oh look, there's some there's some people I guess that life you know they they you know if you're a young mother and you've got 
a bunch of kids or a young father and you've got a bunch of kids and you have to kind of, at an early stage in your life, have to earn a certain amount of money. So yeah. you need to stick to a... Because it'd say to them, well, as we know, it's for musicians and comedians yeah. bringing up kids, it's kind of a hard, hard work. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, I had, I had my children early twenties. Yeah. And um, I probably shouldn't blame it on this, but I've never been out of Australia, and I'd love to. But yeah, like, yeah, so yeah. I'm not saying I, you know, I still can at some point. But um, that was something where it's like I was always working to to raise sure, them, yeah, and and yeah. also like I wanted. Instead of like an overseas trip, it sounds like a bit of a cop out, but I used to come down to Melbourne for a week of like spots of comedy. Oh, cool. That was that was yeah, that was. A- I, I even though I um was really interested in like American culture and stuff, I figured like go over there. You know, people are like oh, I've got a big coke or whatever, and it's like oh, I'm not saying that's all there is to America, but I was like for me to do a week of spots in Melbourne was like a big deal, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh look. Um- yeah, look, the, uh, I mean, one of the good things about music for me has been uh, travelling to different places because you need to. So you, it's not... Um, yeah. Um, um, but, yeah, I'll get onto it later. But, yeah, no, look, I sort of had by accident a trip up to Papua New Guinea when I was 24 and that, that changed my life in a lot of ways. It was like, wow, what an amazing place and what amazing people. I really opened my eyes to a whole lot of things that I'd yeah. totally, totally different... But when I went to America, um, uh, that just felt like going the same. Felt yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Different, but the same. Like a, a, yeah. but a slight. Yeah. 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 So I always think it's funny and, I, you know, I talk a lot about fast food and stuff and it's a big part of what I do. But I always find it funny. There's a big thing in Brisbane. I'm sure it's all over Australia, but big lineups for when, like, Carl's Jr. comes or Taco Bell. And it's like we've had American cop. Yeah, like, yeah. we're always going to have that. America's the big brother that impresses us, right? Like, <laughs> well, it's just you know you you think of how all the movies and the uh, records that our kids yeah. kids get, in, and but we probably did when we were younger too. It's like yeah. ninety percent of it's American. Yeah, so. well, that's like if I was ever to go, I mean, I'd love to see all this sort of like Grand Canyon, yep. Statue of Liberty, etc. But almost just as much as like yellow buses and yeah. I want to see the cafeterias yeah. and yeah. schools yeah. and things like yeah. that. And I know the buses are cool. Buses are cool. <laughs> cool. Um, All that. Yeah, the, the stuff taxis, you see yeah. growing up in yeah. movies yeah. and um, I don't know, things I probably saw in Home Alone and <laughs> uh, <laughs> just like uh, um, those uh, classic things, you know. <laughs> uh, the United States are very, it's a very complex country. It's very big too and it's not the same, it's not the same thing. You yeah. Know? So, uh, when people go, oh, you know, with all this, you know, this Trump world and this kind mm-hmm. of small vision thing, it's like, well, I've met some of the most uh, um, yeah. uh, progressive people and mm. great thinkers in a whole lot of places in the States, and they're not part of that sort of small yeah, American-minded yeah. thing. So it's um, it's it's certainly not one size fits all. And even, even that, I believe, would be amazing to see, like, um, you got some you got some towns where... Um, I've heard about this, like sort of Austin, Texas, where it's like yeah, great place. This sort of cool culture in amongst a conservative state, you know, and it's like even that's well, I'm from Brisbane, where you, you'd know about Joe, the Joe yeah, years, yeah, and, yeah. but I find that's what intri- intrigues me is reading about like the Saints and all the the resistance of like 
like you said, a place isn't hundred percent whatever it's labelled as. So yeah. <laughs> when when not drowning waving the band I was in first went up and played in in Brisbane. I I really liked that. I I, I loved playing Brisbane because all that all that scene, all that sort yeah. of indie in a suburban scene. They were doing. They were kicking against the pricks because they had to, not because it was cool. Yeah, was yeah. Like, you know, down here That's what I find really interesting. Of like, yeah, exactly. Though I wanted to ask you about that. Like, the, that's why a lot of uh, crossing over of uh, in these conversations, thinking of different ideas, which is good. But um, yeah, like because uh, I come from being a, a, fan, a background of um, punk and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and, yep. um, A lot of it's like San Francisco, California, and it's like it's that thing. It's like it's easy to be the um, they talk, you know, be the weirdo, the um, what's the words? Like, you know, the different words, like punk and outcast, and in a place that accepts it. But yeah, being a, in a conservative place is extra tough. Yeah. Oh, look, all all the all the bands that were writing, uh, you know, up your songs, uh, they were doing it and they were meaning it because you yeah. know, interviews at Triple Z was out of a caravan at the uni and they were being mm. and they were getting kicked off the uni and the you know the government was trying to stop them because they were, you know, uh, uh, pushing you know ideas that the the Bjorki Peterson government was uh, was against and and the people at the gigs who who I have chats with they were they were the real McCoy and I, I um um well it's like from what I read. Because thankfully, I you know, being a nineties kid, I grew up and I mean, there's always still issues. You're always going up against authorities and stuff, but nothing like what I read. But you literally have police coming, arresting people at gigs and um, some horrible stuff. You know, I read about the Dead Kennedys drama just for being yep, an African American, yep, yep, like yep. arresting him. And I mean, there's probably some other stuff going on too. But and yeah, and you got these things like um, Rodney Rude challenging the. You know profanity laws, yeah, and, yep, and, yep, and yep. so there's often two parts to things where it's like someone like that, Rodney. Really, I'm not into his acts, but that yeah, yeah, side yeah, of it is yeah, um, is yeah. interesting. Where it's like challenging um, rights of, of against laws and stuff. You know, yeah. I remember when Too Drunk to Fuck came out, and it, it was kind of like uh, missing link. The record store in Melbourne, they had the you know Vice Squad going in there and mm. taking copies of the. Uh, uh, copies of the single yeah. away, but it's also a really interesting point too because um, you know I see a lot of the music industry now, and it's so um, uh, it's so corporate. It's so uh, as the way it's set up. I'm not there's individual bands that are still doing really good yeah. good stuff, but uh, um, but the you know rock and roll grew out of you know uh, kicking against that sort of very um, um, you know, streamlined post-war America and Britain um, and Australia eventually happened probably a decade later. Uh, but rock and roll had this kind of spirit of revolution about it. And then, mm. um, but now, you know, you go along to, you know, those sort of music conferences and they're all talking about Spotify and streaming yeah, yeah. and how, to, <laughs> you know, and how you should, you know, look in your band photos and all that kind of stuff and it's kind of like well, that's not the spirit that, that, yeah, that, yeah. that started all this. Well, um, I find it very interesting, like I said, talking about reading about, you know, it's a bit of a cheesy word, but like trailblazers, people that um, were there for the early um, Yeah, people were there for the early years. Like I said, maybe like comedians and musicians, I'm not necessarily into their, their work but can respect the 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 being a trailblazer, you know, being there for the early years yeah, and, yeah. and yeah. Um, fuck. Yeah, 
Um, yeah, so talking about um, like scenes and things, um, can you tell us a little bit about um, your pathway with music? Like obviously a lot of, most of us comedians, we start as a fan, I imagine. Did you just start as a big music fan? Yeah, yeah, no, so um, Melbourne had this great music scene and venues like the Crystal Ballroom and the club and Martinis and Hearts and... Uh, Macy's and so when I, I'd be going, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and seeing um, bands. I did a I did a midnight to dawn shift on three CR radio station, and I kind of went through the the record library and found out all these indie labels and all these um, obscure records which um, I loved. Um, and so it just all spoke to me. And my friends went along, and we kind of, you know. Uh, um, that was our world, you know, and uh, as well as not just music, but we'd also go and see, you know, film and, uh, you know, go to restaurants and go to parties and hang out and hear yeah. the music was being played there. And that was kind of, yeah, that was that was just really, really exciting. And, and yeah, so I'd see bands. I've, I've spoken about this, people who listen to me, probably sick of this by now, speaking about it a lot, but I realised, probably not at the time, I probably just liked what I liked, but reflecting back, I was like, oh... Like, I was, from a young age, I was into some, like, kind of interesting, yeah, it's yeah. a bit of a cheesy word, but alternative, you know. Like, I'm um, grade seven, so I was, like, 12 or something, you know. My first CD was Spider-Bait, Ivan and yeah, Bigger. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone's, like, into, like, Spice Girls, Backstreet Boys. Yeah. It was me and one mate, Sam Rose. I get excited about this, but <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so did you find that, like, from a young age, although, were you, like, sort of... No, 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 I was kind of, well, not, not as, that's pretty good, year seven. Um, no, I think in year seven I was into status quo and sweet and that wasn't, you know, but it was, la- it was later for me. It was probably at the age of 16. But it is also like what you've got access to. Yeah, yeah. In my mind, I like to think I'm, I was this rebel, but um, it was like rage and, and I just started listening. It was, it was starting to, in the yeah, 90s, it was yeah. a crossover, like... Um, I'm sure you can go and look into it, whatever, after like Nirvana and all that, the the labels were doing all. So it wasn't like, yeah, I wasn't like finding them in record crates or anything, but you're 12, you're still, you still got to like identify, like that's good. And you still got to have your antennas up. To and and yeah, well, for yeah. comedy and stuff, I started watching like Full Frontal. Like I didn't get it all, but they had like, I'm not sure if you remember much of Full Frontal, yeah, but yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they were like, um, doing parodies of the news so i'm like they've got like parodies of yeah, 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 yeah so that was quite like that had a big effect on me from yeah. a young age yeah, like cool. i was also watching um simpsons and like things that everyone was watching yeah, yeah. yeah. it was funny because like i say that where i'm like from a young age i was thought like kind of into mature stuff but at the same time like every all these people in comedy love like seinfeld and stuff and i'm like no nah, i didn't touch that because i always thought it was yeah, yeah. for old people yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah so it's funny like some things register and some don't like well the simpsons is really interesting because it's a that's like it was like this full-on mainstream massive yeah. massive uh body of work and you know it was you know you know it was only channel 10's only rating program for a while they played for four times a day but it was really subversive and uh and, yeah. and brilliantly written and still i mean you know those series the second third fourth the third fourth and fifth series yeah. are just like astonishingly uh, yeah great pieces of uh work my sister who's two years older so her record collection kind of had an influence on me so she she was already a head of stuff so that was that was good and then 
uh, then, yeah, finding your tribe. Yeah. Well, your I, tribe I, and had friends who had, you know, and had a really great mate, John Bicknell, who was a photographer and went to school with them, and we'd go out uh, everywhere, and he, he was right, you know, he was saying, oh, have you heard this? Have you heard this? He, he first played me the go-betweens, the seven-inch single of theirs, a really early one. Um, uh, Say Goodbye, I think it was. It was a yellow and red kind of cover, if I remember correctly. But uh, um, So that was the first I heard of... Uh, them and then kind of well, there's this these bands from from Brisbane are kind of doing all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. So um, like I said, like many of us start starting off as a fan. Um, then when did you uh sort of like uh start playing music or think I can do this? Did it did it bec- become like that? You know, like so the the, the when I was in the early eighties, like sort of eighty one, eighty two, eighty. So not drowning waving started in nineteen eighty three. So the two years leading up to that, I was going and seeing bands all the time, and um, had that, uh, um, uh, and was li- listening to community radio station, was which just exposed me to this other world. There was these labels like M Squared in Sydney, and there was a Clifton Hill scene down here, and a Go Go Records. And they released a whole lot of indie bands, and it was a re- it was a really thriving scene. Yeah. So all these bands were doing their own thing and releasing it through these small labels. They were designing their own covers. They were recording it however they could, um, and there was these great venues that they could all play at. So it was like yeah. it was a real freedom. It was like you can do it, you can do it. And so we, uh, John Phillips, guitarist, and I formed Not Drowning Waving and recorded a bunch of songs out at La Trobe Uni for free because somebody's. Mm-hmm. Brother, brother was doing a sound engineer course, and we took it up to the out to this house in Elstonwick, which was run by a guy named Bill Tolson. He had a record label called Rampant Records, um, and and we released four albums in five years, and and that's awesome, six, yeah, seven inch singles, and it was just and Bill was really really encouraging, and there were other bands on you know, Blue Ruin were on the label, Stephen Cummings were on there, Essendon Airport were on that label. Uh, uh, Ash Wednesday, um, and Herman that, and Green, and so it was just like, yeah, we can we can all do it, and you'd all hang out. Yeah. And it, it wasn't like a career thing. It was just yeah. Like, well, that's what I wanted to ask you was um, what, one thing I always wonder about bands because of like comedy being quite solo, especially stand up. But um, you know, I just if I want to do something, I do it. But with bands, I always wonder is there, is there one who's like let's pump out songs and there's another who's like, yeah, you probably have that clash often of different people wanting different goals. and Yeah, so if we're not drowning waving, so there was two of us and then after the second record, there were six of us. <laughs> um, and it, for the first five years, it was fantastic because we all had this energy and we were doing it and it was great. And it, the differences didn't come out until probably after that fourth, uh, fourth album and because you had to, to tour was a big, like we were a big, Six Piece is a big band. Yeah, I was into Scar, so I know about. Yeah, yeah. So and, I know about six, seven piece. So yeah. if you want to play in Sydney, you have to find accommodation for six people in a vehicle that'll take six people. So it, it that that's maybe when some of the difficulties um, uh, started. But we not drowning away was just you know it was a, it was I was twenty one when we started and it was thirty three when I finished. So um, um uh, and it was maybe two thirds of the way through. When I was in my sort of when I was twenty seven, I thought, oh, and John Phillips, the guitarist, who was the guy that first started and did that Luxury Uni recording, um, he and I started doing some film soundtrack stuff together, and I started doing some other things apart from being a singer and a piano player and a, a writer. So I was maybe doing a bit of music in theatre or producing someone, and I was thinking, oh, you know, you could kind of eke out a living doing this, and I, and. 
yeah, beats working in a bank. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, and so maybe that did um, so, so that early. I, I look back on those first five years with Not Drowning Wave when we were just doing it. Yeah. And that was great. It was great. So I, I actually look back at that really fondly because I wasn't even thinking about... Yeah. You know, I had my first child when I was 27, so th- those... Um, responsibilities. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and you're starting to think about um, uh, uh, income but also career trajectory. But, um, um, look, I'm still doing it now, so I feel really kind of... Uh, fortunate and, and blessed because it's um, um, cause in Australia it's not it's not necessarily mm. uh, easy to do and there's some fantastic do musicians you, yeah. who, who didn't keep going with it because because they do you ever think like as much as you say love those early years but are they are you able to listen to it or is it a bit of cringe sort of um, I would have done that differently or how does that Oh, we, were, we were young, and and so and also, um, you know, the gear wasn't necessarily as uh, flash as it uh, uh, is now. And, and more to the point, I know more about that stuff now than I did. Uh, For some, did. yeah, no, I, I I look back at that really fondly, and I quite like I quite like some of the lumpy bits because because yeah. there was like they were made with. All good intentions. You just well, also as a creator, like like I said, there's with comedy music, there's differences, but there's similarities. There's also that thing of as the years go on. I don't know if you find this with music, like the certain riffs have been done. Like I can't. Yeah. You yeah. might play something or think you've written it, and it's like, oh no, that's that's that riff. <laughs> like yeah. mm. you know. Oh no, I look back on those early days. Like talking to the Simpsons, I think it's something like, oh, that's from the Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, it was kind of it was like. Yeah, no, we were onto something, and it was, and I loved the way we we approached it, and the you know the this. Uh, and getting back to that thing, because I, I actually do a lot of solo gigs now, and and doing gigs on your own is kind of it's it's it can be really really wonderful, but sometimes you're just not in the mood for it, and it's difficult. Yeah. You have to not, and it's not just the gig you're doing, but you have to, you know, if you're selling merch or if you've got to get yeah. to your carrying hotel, the load, like carrying, I, carrying yeah, everything, must be good as a band like. Um, but b- both ways. If it goes great, sharing that together. But if it goes bad, it's like oh. that was you. That was, no, no, I'm just joking. That's a, no, no. <laughs> you can't be like it was a drummer. He he couldn't keep the beat. You know, like um, that's that's a really good point because um, being in a band, if you have a shit gig, you go back to the hotel and you have a few beers and you watch a Elliot Gould movie or a you know a like night game of cricket or just you know go walking mm. around you know. Yeah, a couple of bars and just talk, and you kind of, you kind of draw together. You go, oh, mm. you know, stuff it. Who cares whether we we flopped in Margaret River? It yeah. doesn't matter. You know, we can yeah. kind of, you know. Well, it's something interesting. Um, you know, we're both footy fans. We can talk briefly about that. But um, I love a lot of different sports, and um, sometimes it's like you know with tennis where they're like, oh, these guys are brats. But I can sympathise with the like, um, you know. What, what are the what are people angry at? Oh, this guy bailed on a match. Like sometimes I want to bail on a gig. This you know I'm not into. <laughs> and also it's like well I'm not. You know they they've been pushed by their dad since I was ten or whatever. Like it's like my dad pushed me when I was ten to be a comedian. But that thing of like, tw- I was gonna say twenty four seven. It's not like twenty, but it, it's just constantly. It's you. You're selling yourself. Like yep, this career yep, is yep. like. And there must be times where they're just like I'm over it. You know like. 
Oh, look, and sometimes on stage, I'm I'm sitting there I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm my voice through the microphone and the fallback wedges, I'm going, this is fantastic and I'm singing really well and it feels really easy and I'm really enjoying and connecting with the audience. And then there's some nights where I sing and I go, oh, I sound like shit. Yeah. And I'm well, halfway, halfway through a song yeah. and I don't, I'm going, oh, don't, don't <laughs> it's just, it feels like hard work tonight. Yeah. But you know what? What you learn over the years is you you learn how to handle those bad gigs. Yeah, and you kind of because I'm also you know that your audience you always respect your audience. So they're there to see you. Um, that's a special oh, yeah. special relationship. So even if there's 15 people in the room, I'll try mm. I'll, I'll try to perform as well as if there were you know. Yeah. Well, it's funny you talk about those golden years of like. Everyone's out and about, gigs are on. And now it's like, it's almost like, thank you so much for coming. I, I've <laughs> even I've even said to audiences like, guys, you don't need to be here. <laughs> you can get food delivered to your house, like thousands of movies to chip. But I'm half joking, but like, it is tough now. I did, like, I did a gig in uh, at, uh, in Warnable recently at the Warnable, um, the Lighthouse Theatre. And uh, I was in the small little theatre up the top. And downstairs was the... Um, ABBA review show, which of course had a massive crowd. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm playing to about 40 people upstairs, which is kind of cool. And I said, you know, that was my first thing. Thank you. Thank you for choosing me over <laughs> ABBA, you know. Well, um, like when the comedy fest is on, I probably shouldn't say this, but uh, oh, it's nothing bad, but it's like, you know, you're like, there's some great comedians, great shows. You're stoked to be doing your own. Um, and then you see you're up against like Faulty Towers Dinner Show. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. always some like Harry Potter, like yeah, yeah. people who cash in on a pre yep, pre yep, uh, yep, a pre-existing yep. fan base and it's like good on them whatever you know but it's it is that little bit of like in in this industry everyone's a rival right that's like yep yeah even though it's like well if someone is at that they probably weren't going to come to mind you know but it it is like you do see that as you're they're kind of rivals the other shows that are on yeah yeah, and look, you know, I, I don't mind having a ping at it. I, I do think, you know, at a, one of the thing, one of the things that's great about the comedy festival in Melbourne or in anywhere, uh, but I always always think I'll, I'll go and see a lot, and I'll always go and I've got a bunch of friends who I know through, and I'll go, always go and see one of them. But I'll always ask one of them, or oh, who's someone who's coming up, or who I wouldn't have heard of, who you'd recommend going and seeing and that's I think the point of the comedy festival yeah. I don't think I'm alone with that I think a lot of people every yeah. year go I'm, I'm going to go and see at least one take one a show. risk or yeah um, but it, it uh, you, but I, I you know I'll have a ping at people who, who would choose oh I'm going to go and see the Harry Potter review mm-hmm. or the um, you know the Faulty Towers thing because it's uh like I'm looking around yeah. at the moment. There's a you know Talking Heads have got a movie out at the moment, and there's a band doing Talking Heads yeah. things and they're playing at the corner, and I'm sure they're great. But it's just like that's like like cover cover band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Australia does. Australia's renowned for its great yeah, cover yeah. bands. Yeah, well, that's another topic. But yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure if someone came to you, you'd have a think about. It. Like, you want to be a part of like. Oh, I don't look any any musician. The older I get, any musician who's making it work. Yeah. Uh, uh, I've got respect for them at that well, level, and yeah. I feel like we've got some camaraderie because yeah. we're both in the same. I was, I was young and super strong in beliefs of like this is right, this is wrong. And the older I get, I'm, I'm like, maybe there's no right and wrong, you know. And because yeah. I, you know, like, like I said, growing up, I was the the nineties. I was home baked sort of thing. I was like spider bait, Grinspoon, all yeah, that. Yeah. But now I see those dudes doing, they. Go from what like it'll be Beatles, Beatles reenactment, you know, like Cram, and he's like he's awesome, and I like, good on him. Yep. 
but he'll be doing like a Beatles yeah, yeah, um, yeah, album, yeah. White Album, and then they'll be doing what well, you know what I mean. The, yeah, I yeah. think there was the the rights band, you know the. What's that? Eve, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those like these mega super bands they call. Yeah, yeah. But in Australia too, it's like good on you. Whatever, if you can do your craft, because we don't have a huge population, do we? You know, like no, no. And and that's the thing is is only one thing I find hard is like I love getting out to like Perth, Adelaide, Hobart, but then I got to leave a bit of a space, right? If I go there, you can't go back. I can't go back in a couple of months because it's like oh, you were just here, sort of thing, and you know that's like. Some, that's when I'm jealous of America or something where I'm like, I look at the map because I'm a big geography nerd and I'd just be like... There's 450 Brisbane's. Yeah, that's all, what I'm saying. All I'd, about 60, I'd just 60 be going, miles from each other. I'd Brit- be going Britain like Denver, Brit- New Orleans, yeah, whatever, yeah, you know, cause, yeah. which leads me to sport. That's how I, I'm a geography okay. fan, sports, I know all about it. Anyway, so um, there's a lot of crossover here, but we both love our footy. Yep. I'm a saint. You're a, yeah. you're a demon. Can you tell us a bit about that? Because you... Is that a family passed on? Yeah, my dad. My dad was a Melbourne supporter, and he saw all the great, the five out of six grand finals in the late fifties and stuff. Yeah, I was born in sixty two. They won one in sixty four, but I was two, uh, and in Sydney. Um, and then I lived through the wilderness, <laughs> through the wilderness years. Which would you is, Would you have any advice for a saint? Would you say uh, hang in there? Or oh, I'd love like <laughs> St Kilda. Oh, look, I'd love St Kilda to win. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd, you know what's funny because I chose them. I was a, a late, a late because I'm from Brizzy, so yeah, I grew up with yeah, rugby league. Yeah. And then I did the whole. Um, it's like that grass. Were you a Broncos fan or? A- yeah, yeah, I was, and uh, I still am. But um, enough about rugby league. Anyway, <laughs> we don't. We're running out of time here, but. <laughs> See, we'll have to do a second one. We, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. No, that's what I said. You get mind. chatting and mind. it's fun. Um, but I was that whole grass is green. I thought Melbourne was so cool. I was like yeah. shunning my yeah. Brisbane's yeah. on. I'm like, and now that I'm old, I'm like, that's all dumb. And anyway, that's another thing to talk. I wanted to talk about was like um, when I talk about artists who like footy and stuff is that did you have that kind of, sh- you know, footies for meatheads? Did you have some years like that? I did. Yeah. I did. Not not many, but I had at the early days of. Um, so I think between eighty two and eighty six, I kind of yeah. gave up footy. I still played cricket. I played. I played suburban cricket, and I love it because yeah. it's everything that the music industry is not. <laughs> and um, well, um, something because there's a great kind of resistance against that now. Where um, you've probably seen there's there was like. I actually wanted to do it, but I missed it. But there's a gig where Grand Final Week, everyone does their bands. Oh, yes, I've done, bands that. I've done and, a couple yeah. of those. Yeah, and, yeah. and one of the things that got me into Saints was all the... Yeah, yeah, the, musicians. Um, yeah. yeah, the, you know, there's like Tex and Paul Dempsey and... Yeah, Dan Sultan. Like, and yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a great line of... And obviously Tism is a good one. <laughs> um, and that's why I ended up choosing him. It's a long story, but it's like... Um, my dad's family is also like live around that's... Bayside's yeah. house sort of area, okay, as well. yeah. but I love the whole locket and everything. But one thing was the like for whatever reason I connected it with like that's the arty yeah. cultural yeah, band yeah. or whatever yeah. John Safran as well. All these different yeah, yeah. links to like Saints. I'm like that's who I want to pick. And the funny thing is, I knew their history. They weren't great because it would have I could have picked Hawthorne or whatever. But people still give me grief. They're like. That's part of sports fandom, right? But they're like, you know, the Saints suck. I'm like, yeah, I've heard about that. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. And look, as a Melbourne supporter, I used to, went to school and, you know, at that, that age when you were young and kids would come and go, oh, your team sucks as if it's a personal attack. Yeah. And at the beginning, I used, used to think it was a personal attack yeah. on me. Um, yeah, well, I used to yeah, take it to heart. And I'm yeah. like, now I'm like, well, it is what, you know. And it's like, like I said, I could have chosen a successful club, but... I always thought it would be nice to support a battle, you know. 
if it, you know, if it ever happens, Moravan's going to go off. Like- uh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and look, my daughters, um, they they love being Melbourne supporters, and the, and they also, you know, I say, oh, look, Barracking for Collingwood and Essendon, that's like or, or Hawthorne, that's yeah. like breathing oxygen. That's or Manchester United, that's easy. Barrick- well, like Mick Malloy can't really do all his Richmond gags now that they're pretty good, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, no, it's it's. it's uh, well, I mean, he can, but I just mean, yeah, it's yeah. like um, being the battlers. You know, and also when you sight shit, when they when they, do, I remember once going to a game and we were so bad and it was pissing down with rain and Melbourne beat Essendon at the MCG, came from behind and beat them, and it was like for us it was like winning the grand final. Yeah, and it was because it was re- you know, it was so so wet and it was like the game had got reduced to no skills and so Melbourne were at their best because it was like yeah. at that time because we didn't re- we weren't a really skillful side but they gutsed it out and that. You know those those moments for lowly sides that that, that win against the odds they're fantastic. We went we went to the we were at the pub until three o'clock that morning reliving every moment and mm-hmm. that was a uh, uh, yeah it was a great thing. Well, um, my friend Billy Styles is a big Demons fan and it's funny with all the um uh, what do you call it stereotypes? Yes. Um, yeah. I sense you're a little. You, I sense you're not a, a Land Rover up in the. No, no, yeah, he's no. the same. He's a. Um, from the rough, rough and tumble like Bundura and stuff, and it was like passed on to him. But I mean, that's the point of stereotypes. They're not always hundred percent. Oh yeah, and you <laughs> sit in the outer watching Melbourne supporters, yeah. and there's some you know <laughs> toothless you know Melbourne supporters yeah. as well, and you know yeah. And I, you know, it's life. These things aren't clear cut. Like as like like some people they associate when they think St Kilda, they literally like the palm trees and the nightclubs there. But to me, St Kilda is like. Moorabbin and those sort oh, of the like, animal enclosure. Yeah, the and, south side. And, and, and Plugger and, yeah, and yeah, all that so. stuff and uh, Daryl Baldock. And, <laughs> and it's uh, all yeah. changed anyway. Like that's what's funny about like a lot of where they're based isn't in that suburb. And like technically I think Collingwood is about 100 metres closer to the CBD of Melbourne now than yep. like where, yep. you know, the facilities yep. and that. But. And they're the moneyed club now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the profit that they made last year is like unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but uh, – yeah, no. Look, it's it's you know I even have you, have you um is it is it strictly sort of um fan relationship? Have you like ever had like offered to do a song for Melbourne? Because oh. I've done a few things with Saints, you know, and it's fun. But so I, we uh, in my friend the Chocolate Cake Band, applied in. We had an instrumental called Jimmy Steins, which was just kind of this rollicking Irish kind of you know like <laughs> like Big Jimmy himself kind of just struggled on through the day yeah. and um, you know would always be there and. Um, um, and so, uh, uh, played that at a gig that he turned up to once at the Continental in France. That was pretty neat. When Jimmy passed away, we got, uh, a performed a version of, uh, Danny Boy at the MCG. Um. Oh, that's awesome. Um, for that. And also at the Melbourne Best and Fairest. So that, 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 that was, that, that probably the only two, two things, but that was, that yeah, was pretty special. Yeah, that's like. Yeah. Oh, singing that song at the. Uh, it was a Queen's birthday game. Melbourne were playing Collingwood. Collingwood ended up thrashing us completely, but it was like that was kind of pretty emotional, and, and it was um, beautiful. Like everybody, I think, realised that uh, you know Jimmy was a kind of a big, uh, a big football figure, and someone had used his yeah. um, um, public notoriety for more than just football. Um, and so yeah, that was a, that was a big, yeah that was a big thing, and it was a real honour. That's awesome when like the two worlds can meet, and because I did a couple of things like. Had a run against Danny Frawley. Oh, cool! At the um, you know the game they have for the Rewalt, Jack and Nick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, um, right, yeah, yeah, the Maddie one. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, um, 
Yeah. We had a run around the... Um, it, it's funny because <laughs> I remember it being longer than it actually was. <laughs> I told someone it was around um, Marvel, whatever. I think yeah. it was called Eddie. Anyway, let's just say Docklin. Keeps changing. Yeah. <laughs> but I told... It's like that fishing thing where the fish gets bigger. I told someone over time, I told someone that it was a lap of Docklands and I went to show them and it was... It was like it was like fifty <laughs> meters. It was like a wing, but I remember Danny just like I didn't know what it was going to happen. With like no rehearsal or anything, I didn't know how we we're going to take it. I was just decided I'm going to run as fast as I could. But then we'll, he was jostling me like trying oh, to. Nice. Yeah, yeah, lovely guy. But um, it was sad what happened. Yeah, um, yeah. No, but things like that are just. Yeah, cool. I do a lot of fun things, which I'm stoked and I'm blessed. I like don't like to use the term blessed or whatever. I'm not really, you know. Yeah, but. Um, thankful, I guess, is a better word. Yeah, but like, yeah. it's oh, like, how good's this? I'm, I'm, but things like that are lovely when it all comes together. It's like the footy team I cheer for, and comedy, and and oh, when they, yeah. when those, yeah, do there's do a, a, it's funny, like you know, a lot of this stuff's on like Facebook or Instagram, or whatever, and um, you know, you have a peek at the comments. There's always like, who, who's this? And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's like you, re- I'm not on everyone's radar. I'm like yeah, quite yeah. niche, yeah, but yeah. it's like, anyway. Uh, yeah. We better wrap up soon. Um, like I said, we, it's great chatting. We'll have to do a second. At, um, yeah, no, it's been really good. <laughs> um, are we able to do the quickly? The yeah. yeah. So, uh, listeners to this portal know we have a a Wikipedia page section. Um, so I gave you your homework, David. What did What did you come up with? Okay, I, I've come up with a. So there's a. Um, he's a spoken word artist and singer. He's kind of this eccentric Scottish guy named Ivor Cutler. I-V-O-R is his first name and Cutler, C-U-T-L-E-R. Okay, I'll um, just bring it up. Yep. Um, he, um, um, I, if anyone hasn't seen him, go on YouTube some of his performances and stuff. He's kind of like a nonsense, like kind of bit Edgar Allan Poe-ish or kind of um, big John Cooper Clarkish, but he's kind of, he's quite eccentric, kind of old Scottish guy. He was on... Uh, Sorry, I've got IVA. What was the second? I V O R. Oh, that's probably why it's not yeah. good. <laughs> Ivor Cutler. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. He was born Isidore Cutler, um, <laughs> uh, and he got um, he got kicked out of the Royal Air Force for dreaminess. <laughs> so um, you remember at the start of this when I asked you, is yep. musician all right? He's got poet, singer, musician, songwriter, artist, and humorist. Yes. Yeah. That's all. <laughs> He's covering things. a few bases. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, um, so yeah, this like I usually say, I love to see the chapters on Wiki. So we've got early life, musical career, books and poetry, reception and legacy. Yeah, yep. so any any particular anything stand out we might um, go to? Well, look, his um, his musical career. So he he uh, um, he was going to uh, he, he he um, if you see any of his, he, he does these performances with a pump organ and. Uh, um, and does poetry over the top, and it's nonsense poetry. <laughs> so his musical career is fascinating. So you know, start off writing songs and poetry in the home service for the BBC. Um, he um, so he comp- accompanied himself on a piano or a harmonium. Now, for a piano player like I am, to have a harmonium and play it is fantastic because a harmonium is an instrument that's small you can carry with it. So guitarists can always grab a guitar and sing around a fire. You can't do that with a piano, but mm. you can do it with a harmonium. So I always liked that about him. And I had a, a harmonium that I came. On. He was uh, he appeared on a TV show called Late Night Lineup and he was noticed by Paul McCartney and uh, he was invited to appear in the uh, Magical Mystery Tour uh, film. But um, he <laughs> he um, yeah no he was he's so and when you see him he's kind of he's, he's different he's not. He's, That's he's, I'm sorry to interrupt but it says uh, 
in the film he played would-be courier Buster Blood Vessel. Now, the funny thing about that name, as, I'm a big, as people would know, I'm a big Scar man back okay, in the day. Yes, yes. And Buster Blood Vessel was a singer of the band Bad Manners. <laughs> ah, right. Yeah, so they yeah. probably got the name. From yeah, the, yeah. Um, yeah, from the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, cool, cool. Um, he, um, and so he played with people who, it was a band called Soft Machines, a guy named Robert White, who I really, really like. Um, yeah. Um, uh, he's, uh, and, and uh, he, he went on, Ivor Cutler went on to release records like Dandruff, Velvet Donkey, Jimmy Smears. Uh, there's a, a record called Life in a Scotch Sitting Room, Volume 2, where he goes, retells stories of his childhood. He could have been on um, this uh, program here, because he, he'd be kind of... Uh, <laughs> and those... Um, I, I have a triple A show on um, every Christmas day. It's the only uh, show I do all year, and I've been doing it for 30 years, and I always love playing the track life in a scotch sitting room because it's just this um uh, uh yeah yeah um he and he became this b- bit of a cult figure because he was kind of like this you know he, eccentric guy and he, he kind of appeared on things with like tea co- wearing a tea cozy on his hat and uh, you know flower coming out of it and he was something like, special there's something special about scotland isn't there you know because yeah. you got barnsey and <laughs> yeah well, i've got my um my, my father's side we're from scotland and uh uh, from Dundee and um, um, that's all right. It's probably uh, well, we probably should be wrapping this up anyway. But um, it's been great having a having a yarn with you, David. We we should do a second app. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd love to. This is yeah. yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, it was this, it's it was my fault. Like I arrived a bit late, so we have to cut off early. But <laughs> I'm just driving down there. Yeah, drive down, take the dogs, and drive down the bush. But, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming on, David. I appreciate it. Um try and get this out quick is there anything you'd like to plug or um um i've got a spoken word record out at the moment which kind of links a little bit with Ivor cutler although it's kind of different and it features a whole lot of artists like anthony morgan uh damien's on there damien yeah. callan and Cookshire edwards uh, Catherine devney uh kit kavanagh ryan um uh Cookshire edwards uh farhad bandish the the fellow we were talking about before who who did a, a cue in the merger um and it's called It's Been a While Since Our Last Correspondence. So, um, and you like, apart from that, there's like a massive back catalogue of, um, yeah, so bands not, yeah, and not, solo work. And yeah, not drowning, waving my friend the chocolate cake and David Brody. There's about six albums of each of those bands or six or seven. I, I feel like, uh, that's something we can get into episode two. Is, um, I've always loved your, your, your band names. All right, <laughs> oh, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Just, okay. uh, so we'll leave that for episode two. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for coming on, David. And, Thanks everyone for listening and uh, really sorry for sound issues. I'm going to invest in some better gear. Alright, thanks guys. Bye. Oh, see ya. Coxie's having a yarn because he's got nothing better to do. Coxie's having a yarn and one day he might have one with you.